Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Um, at the time of recording, we are uh, in the middle of the, what do I call it, kind of a hotbed of emotions, of um, national and, as it turns out, international uh fugue in a way, you know, and I, I want to point out, first of all, that we, that we deeply notice the contribution from international communities as well. It's, uh, it, it's moving and touching that you're having demonstrations in your own countries to you know, validate, uh, in a way, you know, in small ways to contribute to, uh, the solidarity of the people who are hurting over here. I, I think, you know, uh, Q and I kind of discussed before the show, what would be the most appropriate way to handle this moment in time and especially recording a couple weeks before the show goes out and not knowing really where people or the world is going to be in that time we kind of decided that we wanted to kind of acknowledge the the pain that people are feeling and kind of offer our voices in support but at the same time to to not you know monopolize the conversation you know people our, our positions in our own personal kind of social media worlds and feeds have been, uh, have been made known. And, um, you know, certainly there's, uh, there are more, uh, there are better sources for information on the real philosophy and work that can be done, um, within the, uh, within the current society now for the purposes of, uh, justice, particularly for the, um, ethnic minorities, or uh, I, I suppose it's uh, getting to the point where it's minorities no longer. We have to come up with a better term now. Yeah. Um, but particularly in this time for our uh, black um, brothers and sisters in, in America and uh, throughout the world. And in that vein, you know, knowing full well that we stand with you are going to do our best to put on this show and to give you something that might give you, you know, a few minutes to reset um, or recharge your batteries or provide you the tools or respite to go out and continue having these cultural conversations and fighting this fight. It is going to be Playwright um, as you know it. That's right. We're, we're excited to do it. Every show I think that's publishing right now is kind of writing a line between being and not wanting to come off as being disrespectful, but at the same time, like trying to put on a good show because we understand that people need a moment of kind of emotional uh, respite from everything that's been going on. And I know for me and uh, and for Q as well, it's been uh, uh, it's been a trying weekend, and we are among the more privileged and relatively less affected of the groups that are involved in um, in everything that's going on. So, with that said. <laughs> Let's um let's all take let's a go breath. On to just, yeah. <laughs> mm, okay. Let's go on to putting on a good show. Um if if anyone feels like things are being handled flippantly or anything like that, we we appreciate if people would talk to us about it because you know, we're we're trying our best and we're trying to learn about the best way to handle things as people who run a, a fairly frivolous show. Yeah. <laughs> what is our place yeah. in the world? But um if anyone feels that things could be done better. We're very happy to take those kinds of uh, kinds of feedback at uh, at playwrightcast on Twitter or playwrightcast at gmail dot com. But um, yeah, otherwise, uh, let's let's kind of uh, loosen up a little bit. Let's see if those creative juices are still flowing because I know for me things have been a little bit backed up, but I've got a pitch here that I'm uh, feeling pretty good about. So I'll be going first today. Uh, what I'm going to be putting forward. So you have uh, teams of two. Each team is given a 3x3 grid and nine images. Each player must sort their images anywhere on the grid in a way that makes sense to them. Players must try to match each other's sorting techniques 
without speaking to each other. Hold on, do I, wait, do I need to write this down? <laughs> oh my I gosh. Said it's coming off a little confusing. Uh, and this is something that like I came up with a couple days ago, forgot about, and I'm basically reading, reading. fresh myself from my notes. <laughs> okay, yeah, it feels like I might need the words in front of me. If you want to also discord <laughs> this to me, that would be helpful. I'll, uh, I'll kind of walk through it step by step, I think. Okay. So I think this was inspired by like Wilmot's Warehouse. Do you know that? I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. Wilmot's Warehouse. Walmart's where? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right, so that's a game, just to kind of recap, that uh, you play a little kind of square with a face on it. It's very kind of minimalistic, but um, you're given kind of a warehouse to sort. It's the top-down, minimalistic, almost kind of a grid-based type of view. Everything is a one-by-one square. You're given several kind of items from a uh, kind of centralized point of distribution. And basically it's your job to take those items and sort them throughout this large warehouse in a way that you can go and find them later when you need them. So, you know, you might start getting, uh, uh, you might, you know, start getting types of uh, blocks that have little pictures on them. Uh, ones that represent, you know, things that you associate with Christmas maybe, and then things that you associate with um, with uh, you know seasons of the year and so you know you start sorting away all the Santa hats and the reindeer on one side and then you sort away the you know sandals and the sun and the cherry blossoms and the falling leaves on the other side of the warehouse and then all of a sudden you start getting things that start messing with your kind of cognitive um, structures that you built for yourself you know you get a snowflake which, oh, I mean, really, like, that could go either way. You get a snowman, which, again, like, that's a winter thing, but at the same time, fits into Christmas pretty well, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a bad example. That's just kind of off the top of my head, but it's it's a way of kind of, like, challenging your own cognitive structures in, um, in the way that you sort uh, otherwise kind of... Um, uh, kind of neutral or un, uh, unsorted stimuli. So, anyways, basically what I'm saying is that uh, kind of a competitive way of playing a similar game. So I'll, uh, kind of starting from the beginning, teams of two, uh, two teams of two, or maybe multiple teams of two. Each team is given a three by three grid, so nine squares in total of uh, nine, um, well, so you're given the grid, kind of empty slots, and then you're given nine images. Okay. Uh, one player must sort their images anywhere on the grid in a way that makes sense to them. So, you know, you come up with, maybe it's not a three by three, maybe it is more of kind of like a sprawling warehouse setting, but you have to arrange your images in a way that makes sense to you. And then the other player, without speaking to their uh, kind of compatriot, they have to try to sort it in the way that they expect that their partner has sorted it. And the closer that they get to the sorting pattern that their partner did, ends up uh, ends up winning or scoring more points. So perhaps other teams can take points away. Well, you know what? Let's uh, let's start there. Let's start there. Let's let's disregard the last statement. Strike from the record, <laughs> and uh, we can kind of work those uh, additional complications in as we um, as we ruminate a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and start the clock. So this is essentially a game about mixing and matching combinations, and then there's or is this dismissed uh, an angle of kind of uh, seeing what your fellow organizers also bring in terms of combinations that they're they're sort of unlocking and creating logical pairs of in a way this almost kind of like makes the most sense if you picture this as being like a card game that you all like sit around the table playing together okay so you have a partner your partner kind of sorts a group of images in a way that makes the most sense to him or her and the other partner has to try to predict how those images were sorted by you know what they think would make the most sense to their partner okay oh interesting and so is this i'm almost wondering like does this come through a bit of a a pictionary lens where there's there's a, like an, a challenge issued of like we want you to construct pairings that uh, you know, end up telling the story of X, Y, Z, and then you kind of newlywed game yourself into uh, 
guessing like, oh, how would like I'm guessing, hey, how would H uh, or what would H use to describe this particular thing? And knowing that I have like access to this glyph library. Yeah, I think it does make the most sense for partners to know each other well. You know, I don't think it would be something you would necessarily throw upon. I mean, maybe that would be interesting Mm. if you could just kind of cast it upon strangers. But I'd like to think that there would be some sort of because the other wrinkle I wanted to introduce into this is that if the other teams also correctly guessed how things were going to be sorted, then it would kind of cancel out the points that were won in the last round. So you have to be... Uh, you have to be sorting things in a way that is understandable to your partner in a way that your partner knowing you the best of all will predict, but not in a way that you feel the other teams would also predict. Okay. I, that, that almost um, reminds me a little bit of the the recent game. I Oh my gosh, I forget what it's called, but it, it's kind of the uh, the prisoner's dilemma game do you remember what i'm talking about the last prisoner's dilemma game that i remember playing was uh zero time dilemma from the uh the notary games uh, series what was it called zero escape series okay so i i generally think that uh you know there's some social engineering here so it almost like Mm -hmm. it almost incentivizes me to kind of develop a code with you doesn't it like yeah we're always gonna kind of end this thing you know with a <laughs> with a heart or something at the end like uh, our own little team signature i originally pitched this as kind of like a three by three grid maybe that's not the most interesting way to do it because it feels like at that point there was a relatively good chance that you're going to just like guess correctly uh anyways or you know if you guess i, I don't know it just feels like it's a like maybe if the shape of the grid were different it could be more interesting. Like even if it was still just nine squares, if they were all laid out in kind of a linear format from left to right, that could be interesting. You know, you can start to get into a lot more kind of thought processes on kind of a sequence of events, whether it's kind of evolutionary or moving from, you know, least sophisticated to most sophisticated inventions, or, you know, I could see a lot of interesting thought processes coming in that way. If you had to, overlay it onto a calendar of the year and basically choose nine dates throughout the year to fit all of those items on. It would be really interesting if the kind of like shared experiences that people had had led them to correctly guess uh, what dates each would be associated with, Uh, knowing that some of them like sandals were probably going to fall somewhere in the summer period. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm in, interested in exploring kind of like different uh, different frameworks for this to make the guessing game a little bit more a little bit more interesting and a little bit more revealing of people's personalities. Yeah, I, I I'm starting to think about like one layer of complexity to to potentially add on to this is having certain certain glyphs, certain symbols that as they. Uh, as they sit next to each other in this grid or as they have a relationship with each other on the grid, they kind of combine to make like holistic uh, thoughts or phrases. So now you're almost like communicating in this alien language, which is something that we, you know, (laughs) love to kind of uh, play with here on the show. And I, I'm wondering like, could you do like the, uh, a snowflake and like a little, like, let's say it's emojis for a second, like snowflake and the, a Mm. devil emoji. And then that's like hot as hell, you know, (laughs) the snowflake. I don't, feel like i'm entirely following oh sorry that's cold that's cold sorry sorry uh, but, uh <laughs> flames <laughs> flames and the, and the devil that's or i guess that could also be burning hell uh <laughs> but uh you know that that sort of stuff where like maybe even after placing your glyphs you get like two or three links that you can place in between two glyphs and so you can say Hey, these two have a direct relationship with each other, or these two things represent a single thought. So you're almost like using, there's always nine points of articulation, but you can uh, sacrifice, you know, the risk reward, sacrifice one of those slots in order to uh, say something more comprehensive about the concept that's in two of them. I, I do like the idea that you introduce of kind of like making emojis the kind of currency of this game in a way. 
because I, I feel like scrolling through the emoji keyboard, there's so many strange ones. Yeah, there are and like <laughs> things that like seem to represent such like such specific use cases that I can't imagine ever using them. Yeah, you have like every nation's flag. Uh, you have um, you have like arrow. Like there's a lot of actually super useful emoji to this particular game where you get into you know just circles that are in colors. So now you can kind of evoke words. There are numbers in there. There's even a couple letters. So you could really sort of spell something out, I guess, in a more um, interesting, articulate way. Mm-hmm. But of course, at the sacrifice of like slots. So maybe like every every goal is not even just a theme, but you could get as complicated as, you know, write a love letter to a person and all emojis. Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, I mean, then it feels a little bit hard to, to score, but maybe yeah. if it's tell the story of Star Wars and you're given a handful of random emojis oh. and you have to put them in an order. That could be a fun way to... <laughs> I don't know if we ever talked about this, but there was a game that I would play when I worked at IGN. We Usually this is like a end of the day Friday thing and, you know, everything is just uh, silly, but we would play uh, Guess the Game with five emojis. And mm. so you would just type out five emojis, send it to the group, and then everybody would have to figure out what video game you were talking about. Interesting. I mean, that could be a pitch all on, on its own. Right. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, like, if you could, you know, Star Wars, like, the story of Star Wars is a great example, a perfect example that would map into a nine-square grid. And, and actually, a lot of stories, right? Because you kind of have your three acts. Um, so you're, like, describing... I just feel like that's... I would want to make it for the purpose of this particular game. And like, we can certainly revisit similar ideas later. I'd want to make it something that's more personal and interpretive yeah. because you want something that your partner will guess that other teams can't disqualify you because they were just kind of, you know, if there is a right answer to like the way that it makes most sense to describe Star Wars in a sequence of emojis, then like, we don't want the opposing team to kind of snipe us on this one. That's a good, okay. I'm trying to think about like, how you score communication, right? That's the tricky thing that you keep returning to. I think it's kind of like if your partner is closer to the arrangement that you originally outlined, than is the opponent, you score points. And if the opponent is closer to, you know, interfering and guessing your arrangement, than is your partner, then you lose points. And whoever ends up with the most points at the end end up ends up winning. That's kind of interesting. I do like the idea of potentially you being able to uh, highlight uh, three glyphs or maybe, you know, depending on the difficulty level that you're signing up for, either three, two or one glyphs that you deem as important. And then the sort of opposing team gets an opportunity to look at your board before uh, you expose it to a partner and then choose the three glyphs that they are absolutely blocking, mm. you know, the uh, same number. And so instead of like, it's just, or maybe this is a different mode potentially as well, but instead of just saying, okay, here's what, uh, here's what I think you would say. And, and, you know, it's kind of a guess if you don't have a relationship or you're coming out cold on the opposing team, whereas the opposing team is like a, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to try and disassemble it or make it so that these, here's the three that I think I don't want exposed. And if there's no overlap, they, you know, three glyphs get shown to the person. But if there's not, uh, uh, if there's not, then you're, you're kind of fully blocked out if there's overlap. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm trying to think through the mechanics of it. We're uh, significantly over time at this point. So let's go ahead and close it down, come up with a name for it. There's like talking in pictures. There's, it's also a little bit like, um, it's almost like if you did like an aesthetic of tarot cards, this could be like a almost a tarot reading game or like a fortune teller or something like that. Do you like the idea of something like stories told or fortunes told? I couldn't do stories told because stories untold is already a game. It'd be a little derivative. Come on, we've <laughs> we've gotten close before. I want to come up with like a pun on hier- hieroglyphics, like a flyrographics or something. I have a difficulty saying that word, so Fly, maybe it's not a good... I don't know. That's not a good idea, but... <laughs>
Um, you're close. You're circling spiroglyphics because oh. the opponents are trying to intercept your communications in a way. Yes, especially if you have that like uh, whitelist blacklist functionality, and you get yeah. uh, spiroglyphics. The uh, newest entry in the Spyro the Dragon series. <laughs> I'd be down for that. He needs his, uh, he needs his, uh, Dr. Mario. Anyways, that'll do it, uh, for that one. Q, what are you bringing us this week? Well, um, in an effort to, you know, with, with things the way they are, I wanted to bring myself some exercise in positivity. And so what I'm pitching this week is kind of a mass empathy simulator. And I feel like we've pitched things similar to this, but, um, it's kind of smashing up the the game of everything, but setting it in kind of a contained city or world like a Grand Theft Auto-sized GTA V, say, sized uh, world, and you can kind of just be any person in that world. And as you're that person, you can go, and essentially the game is not... There's not... Uh, time and effort poured into uh, missions and mission design and that sort of stuff. Instead, it's all very generative. People have professions and jobs and um, they go to them every day. They go to school. They have dinner with their family and you can literally switch into somebody, take over and live their life. Maybe you do something that incentivizes staying where you, you know, the longer that you stay uh, as a person, the more sort of abilities you unlock to uh, affect or change um, what they do in certain ways. But uh, otherwise, you're kind of collecting these stories, um, having these moments that you can talk about and share with the other people that are playing the game and, you know, potentially help uh, make people's lives better or get them resources or something that they wouldn't normally have. Interesting. Start in the clock. This does kind of harken back to uh, probably three weeks ago now. We talked about kind of my fantasy pitch for a sequel to Grand Theft Auto, which was, uh, you know, you live out your life in the, you know, as one character. And then if the character dies, then you switch into the body of another character and, you know, kind of keep yeah. on going from there. The world kind of evolves and grows around you. So what level of narrative, what level of like, are these, you know, linguistic people are they talking to each other or is there like a story to glean from it or is it more kind of like procedural nonverbal actions that are taking place yeah i i think you could do something that's uh simlish if you really wanted to uh i know that generating something on this scale we we've we've seen games use procedural generation now to create an entire universe that you can fly into and all these different planets with creatures and we've seen games you know, use procedural generation to create all these different maps and stuff you can visit. But what if, what if all the complexity was really just built into, um, more of that contained space. And when the generation is, uh, the, the procedural generation is not dedicated to building out space and rather really focused on generating it. Once you kind of are in this world, there are actors and, 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 you know, people in it and being able to be somebody, go to their job, realize that they work with someone else. And maybe the only way that you can sort of transfer is through direct contact with a person. You know, you could have opportunities where somebody, you know, gets in trouble or they end up, uh, they end up in prison, they end up in a hospital, they end up having a conversation with someone and, by engaging with someone else, actually through conversation, actually through helping somebody else, that unlocks that person to sort of transfer into. Of like a pay it forward in a way as an alien symbiote. Yeah. And so you, uh, it's kind of, I mean, this is now, <laughs> you could probably hear me like come to that in real time, but I, I, the idea of it takes a, good deed for somebody else to sort of make that person available on your roster, you can kind of slowly build your way towards somebody being able to 
occupy, I hate to use a term like occupy, but sort of, um, take part in the life of anybody in their city simply because they've spread that much good. We could almost kind of envision this in the same way that, uh, I mean, this kind of like contact infection in a way, like obviously brings to mind a lot of the COVID stuff that's happening right now. Yeah. Like what if we take a kind of a a disease spreading model (laughs) A virus spreading model, something that, you know, is kind of a painful subject right now and turn it into a kind of pay it forward, like, you know, doing good for people uh, ends up kind of having rippling effects throughout the entire community type of uh, message. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the things I, you know, indulge me here for a second. One of the things I've, I've actually thought a lot about lately is how one of my personal goals for myself, and I don't know if this is ever going to happen. Maybe it's just a fantasy and I, I shouldn't, you know, dwell on it, but you know, when you're young and you grow up in a culture of, uh, you know, the tech industry and Titans and all this stuff, uh, and you, you're like, Oh, any individual can change the world. And that's a promise that, uh, many young people are told. Um, and then the older you get, like the more simplistic your or sometimes dialed back your view of what is important and what does success look like becomes. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of, you know, at the very small level, you can, maybe you start as one character with some level of agency and you can do small good. And then as you kind of are able to pass on these good things or maybe make contact and have these conversations uh, closer than six feet apart <laughs> with other people. Maybe then you can slowly get into the scale of like, okay, well now I I actually can influence enough members of this community where we can start building a community garden uh, or enacting like new levels of uh, complex sort of do-gooding, if that makes any sense. That's interesting because, you know, the the pitch is kind of premised on this idea of kind of passing from person to person, the actual player characters being kind of an impermanent state, but maybe the environment that they inhabit is something that kind of carries forward. So unlike a lot of video games, the progress isn't made in the powering up of the individual, but rather the kind of collective good that you can do to the environment, which is something that you do kind of pass down to the next character that you inhabit in the same way that you would kind of pass down your environment to your actual next generation. Now you kind of get a situation where you're almost enacting like Sim City or City Skylines like policies where you're able to say, uh, and you know, take away the economics of it for a second. Like the, the, this is not intended to be like an economic sim or anything like that, but you know, a community can have a community garden, a, a town can, um, you know, make policies, uh, for, you know, safety or schooling or, or build a community center or something like that. And then once you get into sort of city size stuff, you can enact entire social policies that improve the lives of people around you all because like you personally at one time as one of your characters helped the person who became the mayor, right? So we're talking, uh, you know, mayors and all this kind of thing, like how, uh, how, how big institutional, like how, uh, organized is this versus more of kind of an abstract representation of communities of people, you know, how how much of a city, city management type of thing that we want to make this. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to do the whole like zoomed out view, like go big sort of thing. I think it's better to, try and keep this really small, like keep you in the perspective of one person only through living as that person and engaging with the other people around you. Uh, can you like actually affect change? So not only would you have to like do something good, uh, but let's say somebody is in some, uh, you know, institutionalized position, you have to live as that person long enough to be able to have the conversation with the people around you that uh, that expresses something that you want to do or be given the choice. Like the choices are only presented as you live in uh, somebody's world and explore their life. So what other than the environment, what can you carry in from one person's life to the next? You know, what can be the kind of almost roguelite um, progression curve of um, gaining experience or uh, 
carrying over experiences into uh, the future lives that you inhabit? That's a good question. What is the dream of anybody who, what is the fantasy of having being reincarnated? Is it that (laughs) are gaining wisdom? Potentially. I mean, I think that the kind of like Hindu and Buddhist view of it is that you are hopefully kind of gaining a little bit of like wisdom and experience each time until eventually you're able to kind of, you know, ascend and, uh, you know, gain that kind of enlightenment. Um, I've always been more interested in the idea of kind of going back in time mentally and like reawakening with my current thoughts and memories, like as a child and getting to live my own life over again, knowing what's going to happen in the future and knowing, you know, the consequences of all my actions and everything like that. Like that's an intriguing idea. It's different than what we're talking about, but it's kind of uh, similar in a way. I, I do like the idea of tying, let's say that we do decide to build a win state into this. Uh, maybe that win state is, you know, ascending or becoming uh, one with the universe or something like that. I do like the idea of it really only being attainable through having enough time as lived experiences as enough people. And like the way that you're kind of the way that you're gaining the credit for living as somebody is taking part in uh, in interacting with the people that they interact with um, and taking part in the activities that are a part of their life. Like you do have to meet this person's family. You do have to go to this person's job and really like it's, you know, a day in the life or walk a hundred miles in somebody else's shoes as the as the big theme. That'll do it for time on that one give it a name well um at risk of being uh derivative as i was thinking about sort of gta meets everything i was headed towards everyone everyone i also liked oh you just kind of said at the end there a day in the life kind of feels like it sums up the a day in the life yeah concept yeah that's cool uh let's move over to our community this is another one coming from micah square who uh we we very much appreciate all of the pitches coming in. Uh, you know, we have uh, some very prolific members of our community, and uh, we are tickled every time that we receive another one from Mike and from uh, repeat listeners. But again, we would encourage anyone who is listening, who has not written in or who has written in, and it's been a while, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, we've... Uh, we're looking at the listener numbers and it is more than just the handful of people who end up writing in totally fine. <laughs> There's no obligation to write in, but yeah, I, uh, I, I just think it's kind of a, it's, it's a challenge you can set for yourself to kind of have the vulnerability to kind of put your ideas out there. And, um, you know, I think once you start, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a significant step and it's going to be something that you're going to be happy that you did in retrospect. So I'm just going to put that out there, but for now, let's, uh, let's go back to the very brave and consistently wonderful Micah Square, who says long elevator pitch, a mystery or thriller game in the vein of her story or telling lies, but made to feel like it's taking place in real time in a zoom style group chat with all the suspects, oh, a la the movie unfriended, Unfriended yes. or unfriended the dark web, etc. <laughs> Did he just cite the, the sequel to Unfriended? Multiple movies have this. Uh, <laughs> multiple <laughs> movies have this premise. Uh, you can look to Ocean's Eleven, or if you're really adventurous, Ocean's Twelve. You <laughs> might have heard of a movie called Ocean's Thirteen. Well, it's also a little bit. Um... Gosh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, <laughs> because you've got. Uh, sort of all the suspects within reach at any given time. Yeah. I, I do like the idea here of maybe there's a mechanic of signing out, like somebody can sign out and then you need to find some way to kind of keep track of them or figure out what they're doing or hack into their cam as, uh, as they are signed out and you're like, Oh no, we actually need that. They're, they're doing something nefarious as they're signed out. Yeah, I do like this. This um, uh, this kind of uh, what do I call it technological. I don't want to say voyeurism. I want to say like investigation, kind of voyeuristic investigation. I'll say has been toyed with before. I, I think there's um, there's a, a lot of great like lost phone type of games, where you're essentially kind of like going through 
a simulated lost phone using details from photographs and um, social media networks that remain logged in to guess passwords to get to more sensitive information that will take you kind of deeper down a rabbit hole to figure out kind of what happened to a person or, or unravel some other aspect of a story. Like, that's cool. I've, I've not seen it done in real time, though. And I think that's an interesting element to bring to this, especially if we're incorporating live action actors. I think the way this could work in the way of one of those like interactive plays uh, that happens is that you have, you kind of record, every actor records the entirety of the, let's say, two hour game. They record it all, but then kind of along the way, there are several different points at which things can, I want to say converge. What is the opposite of converge? Can uh, diverge. That's not the right. Diverge. Diverge. There you go. Gosh, it was so much more simple than I was making it. <laughs> <laughs> which things can diverge and um, characters can kind of like leave. And so I don't know if you have to end up recording, you know, you know, 72 hours of live video all of the preferred takes and uh, and great acting moments. But um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this idea and I think it's possible. It would be extraordinarily difficult and expensive, but it's possible. Yeah, I think having this, I think having it be a Zoom call and take on that format is... Gosh, we went from like physical contact to Zoom call very quickly on the show. Yeah. Uh, it's a lived experience. I'm like, um, the idea of the Zoom call, right? Like uh, the ability to build in different virtual backgrounds uh, and like what sort of tools do we know that Zoom has? You have the chat, you have muting, you have... I mean, if it's Zoom, then you have the ability to hack into other calls that you're not invited to. Oh, that's true. Oh, right, because you could discover that there are side conversations happening and somehow uh, derive the URL. Maybe there's like, if you look closely, there's a post-it note and you actually have to like select the feed and zoom in on it, right, to to see that amount of fidelity and detail to get the information about the, or you see like a reflection in somebody's uh, mug or glasses or something that they're on a second call that's how you know i would think it would be difficult to take multiple video calls at the same time yeah you'd have to, to do a, a her story style like you'd have a really basic os or something built into the whole thing but i mean like people that you're investigating potentially like i don't feel like they could have multiple zoom calls going because like if you're speaking then it's very obvious you know you're not hiding that from anyone you could be texting off camera. You could be typing emails and stuff. So maybe oh, okay, yeah. maybe texts and emails could be intercepted within a very kind of short window of time. If you are able to kind of like ascertain that somebody is currently texting something, then you can like set up a web, target it at them, and you'll receive their incoming text, but it kind of counts against a energy meter, kind of like a Five Nights at Freddy's type thing where like you can't constantly monitor everybody. You have to kind of like split and uh, split your attention uh, so that the energy levels don't run out. But I'm going to actually have to play Five Nights at Freddy's. That's That seems like a piece of playwright homework at this point. <laughs> I've I've never played one of the games myself. I've seen enough to know what's going on. <laughs> Fair enough. I, there's also like tools you have as an admin, right? If you are, if you're the, let's say you play as the admin of this call, you can invite people. Um, perhaps you get the, um, sort of oft fictionalized, uh, you invite in the second detective or something onto the call mm. and you you unlock that like, almost like a phone a friend or something <laughs> and, and who wants to be a millionaire or you could you know maybe as you as you determine somebody is innocent you actually like kick them from the meeting you're like okay i'm i've declared like this person is yeah. not uh part of it and the the job is is just to leave uh leave the suspects on the zoom call long enough. And then when you get down to two, you get like a secret prompt to like go and, you know, alert the authorities. Ooh, this feels like swatting. It's not intended to, but kind of <laughs> alert, like, all right, now the, the 
cops are on their way and you gotta like keep the killer on the line sort of i think the real-time element adds a lot to this in that the time that you're spending writing notes reviewing notes like is time that you're essentially losing from the investigation and from being able to provide more kind of like substantial evidence and the fact that you know the the videos might diverge at certain points in the conversation invisible to you but still kind of having that in the back of your mind that um, you might be sacrificing points of divergence if you're not kind of aggressive enough in making leaps in logic in a way, you know, and taking educated guesses to either put out accusations, to throw some people off the line, to invite others onto the call, you know, to take advantage of these situations as they present themselves very high stakes game. Right. And I actually think, uh, you would get some of this because <laughs> also in the fiction, like the free version of zoom, uh, you know, outside of pandemic times actually has a time limit to the call. Mm. So you have that kind of baked in, all right, you've got, you know, it's 40 minutes in real life. So I won't, maybe it's potentially half that or something like that. So you, you have a little bit more of a contained play session. In 40 minutes isn't bad for a whole game. I mean, it's short on the span of a, of a full game. That's fair. I mean, like, well, potentially though, you don't get it right. right? <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Uh, multiple 40 minute sessions might be a little grindy, but um, yeah, it's kind of a mobask amount of time. I, I wonder like, what can we do with the chat? I wonder if there's like, you're, you're almost taking like zoom as the video tech, but you're doing a little bit more Twitch chat sort of features where you can play sounds or cue uh, different effects or something is something to, I don't know if it's to affect the conversation or to drive it in a different direction or. Yeah. So let's see, what are the things that you can do in an actual zoom call? You can kind of like raise your hand to indicate you have a question. You can talk in the text chat. You can interject obviously vocally. Are there any other actions that you can, can take in a zoom call? You can invite, you can kick, you can change the layout of the people on screen. So, oh, you can screen share That's or true. share an, an another application window or something like that. I wonder if there's something like that. Anyways, we're going to have to call it time on that one. Let's close it down. Let's come up with a name. <laughs> I mean, if you if you execute it with seriousness i think this doesn't work but if you have more camp to it you could have something fun like killer meeting you know actually in the pitch the subtitle of the unfriended sequel the dark web ends up working pretty well here as well (laughs) yeah that's cool the dark web we weave (laughs) i like it anyways thank you again micah squara one of our most uh most loyal writers uh, recently. Um, again, thank you for writing in. You are always welcome to continue writing in with the abundance of ideas that you have or anyone else we would encourage to write in as well. We love to feature new voices and uh, new ideas on the uh, on the show. So you can write us at uh, playwrightcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch where you can tweet us at PlaywrightCast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And while you're listening, if you need some other entertainment, I suggest you go check out the Canaan Rins podcast, or Sound of Play, or The Sausage Factory, and you can check it all out and our show at CanaanRins.com. We should mention, you know, we got so hung up on the gravity of the world situation at the beginning that we forgot to mention that this is our third anniversary show i think it is oh my gosh (laughs) gosh what an insane three years last year we did like a big e3 send up this year e3's canceled due to covid we're all bummed out due to you know police protests and it's just you know i don't know we just haven't really had it in us to to do something similar this time around, but we'll make it up to you at some point. We'll, uh, <laughs> we, we do intend to do something fun, uh, to celebrate 
it, the anniversary at some point. We don't know when it's going to be, but like we'll circle back around to doing something kind of out of the ordinary at some point in the future. Um, yeah, we've had some behind the scenes talks about stuff we want to potentially consider, but um, you know, like with all things putting on a show like this, it also means a new level of production potentially or a new level of yeah. commitment and. You know, time, I think, is a premium for everybody. So we want to be respectful of each other's and uh, but also, you know, reliably be able to produce a good show for you guys. But right. Yes. Let's let's take an IOU on this one. Anyways, just like in previous years, we've uh, got our new um, our new podcast artwork going out in a couple of weeks uh, or a couple of weeks behind the anniversary of this year just because we had a couple of weeks off uh which we've never done before so um you know expect that to come around soon but i think i think it's a kind of an interesting uh it's an interesting take on the artwork that you might be familiar with at this point i'm interested to <laughs> you kind of uh, sound like you it. hate it <laughs> no no i actually actually really like it <laughs> okay great good 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 i think it introduces kind of like a um, yeah. Without saying too much, it introduces a cool kind of finality to what we're doing. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Uh, where <laughs> and if you stay tuned uh, after uh, all of this year's episodes, at the very end of the year, we will be revealing the person who's actually been the villain the entire time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a long sort of Marvel esque tease, but I, I think really worth it at the end. That's right. Well. Speaking about work it, worth it at the end, we have another redacted game for you today. Ooh. I'm bringing in a game. Let's see if you can guess what it is. All right. Redacted game. Yes. Redacted is a single player slapstick comedy adventure role playing game huh. set in the wild redacted of the kingdom of redacted universe. Traverse snake infested gulches, punch skeletons wearing redacted, grapple with demon redacted investigate a wide variety of disgusting redacted talk your way out of trouble as a silver-tongued redacted plumb the redacted mysteries of the cosmos as a wise and subtle redacted or let your fist do the talking as a fierce redacted explore a vast open world and encounter a colorful cast of characters some of whom are good many of whom are bad and a few of whom are redacted. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. There was talk early on about uh, having a kingdom. And we're talking about also plum. It, it, I don't know if this is a literal plum. Of course, this brings us, you know, there's only one king of, of plumbers in, in video <laughs> games, I think. Unless, sure. unless I'm about to be... Uh, to to be thrown but this takes me into this takes me into the mario verse a little bit but you said okay. it's, an, it's, it's an rpg um yeah it is a as they say a single player slapstick comedy adventure role-playing game comedy adventure role-playing game oh my god um and i myself I can choose from multiple roles and that's kind of like a, like a, um, say like a job system, like you would get into final fantasy four or something like that. You know, you're playing a character, but you can choose to specialize in different things. Okay. 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 Right. I can do multiple things on this. I'm kind of in not night in the woods, but I, I, it almost seems like a God. The com is it Undertale? Nope. Guess one incorrect. Unfortunately. Okay. All right. Um. Oh, you said a kingdom. Is it Kingdom of Loathing? Uh, I don't know if I know that game. Okay. Uh, Kingdom of Loathing is uh this old browser game. It was also West of Loathing is part of it. Interesting. Okay. Well. This is probably an anticlimactic way to reveal it, but West of Loathing is the correct answer. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> right. I didn't know it was a part of a larger series. Well, it's the king yeah, the Kingdom of Loathing was the original, and then I think oh. West of Loathing came out. So um Very you're good. obviously well, you got it. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I did. So in I've never played West of uh, summary here. West of Loathing is a single player slapstick comedy adventure role playing game set in the wild west of the Kingdom of Loathing universe. Traverse snake infested gulches, punch skeletons wearing cowboy hats, grapple with demon cows, and investigate a wide variety of disgusting spittoons. <laughs> Talk your way out of trouble as a silver tongued snake oiler. Plumb the refried mysteries of the cosmos as a wise and subtle bean slinger, or let your fist do the talking as a fierce cow puncher. Explore a vast open world and encounter a colorful cast of characters, some of whom are good, many of whom are bad, and a few of whom are ugly. Yeah, it was the comedy RPG, and then the kingdom is a keyword because mm. I had played Kingdom of Loathing way back whenever it was a thing, you know, I, and I remember thinking about like, oh, this is, you know, this is cool, but you know, it's not quite a video game or at least it didn't feel like, you know, any sort of modern inception of a video game. And I knew West of Loathing was related, but I've never played West of Loathing. So now I, now I have to. I like West of Loathing a lot. It's one of those though, that, um, it does a good job of like introducing Pretty much every time you venture onto the map screen, it unlocks a new area. And usually the areas are kind of like self-contained little funny jokes and stuff like that, little puzzles to figure out. And there will be some sort of a humorous outcome. Like it's all very, very, very well written and uh, really engaging to participate in. But my criticism would be that um, once you kind of exhaust the immediate jokes, the things that can be handled in kind of single screen scenarios, it's extraordinarily difficult to kind of like tie things together on a broader scale there are some kind of quests Mm. that span multiple and so when you you know when your next kind of quest item on like one of your last remaining quests is like go get the spoon of damocles or something like that then it's like i have zero idea where that is because i've just been kind of passing through and consuming all of these spaces i don't really remember what is where and especially if i take some time off of the game like if i could do it all in one sitting i might just be able to pull it off but since it's always moving you on to the next thing it's hard to really like form like a mental map or like a you know but it is a very good game it's definitely worth playing it just might not be worth finishing i'm looking at some of the gameplay right now and the the visuals are so cool in comparison to the old king i mean kingdom of loathing was you know just static little drawings on a thing i really i mean it was probably the very last uh browser game i ever messed with mm. but uh <laughs> it's yeah the like shadows are moving there's animations there's lighting and hey i i know this is going to be a huge get for everybody but it just came out on stadia this year so whew. Now's your chance. <laughs> really? Now's your chance. Uh, at least Stadia. that's what it says. Stadia here has an announcement wow. trailer. So, Gosh, the power of Stadia. <laughs> Finally, we can game. render that, that black and white line art. Wow. Wow. Last of learning. All right. Anyways, I thank you for listening, look. everyone. We'll uh, catch you again next week. Bye. <laughs>